you set the tone on Monday. It's like what we always said in football. You're going to set the tone on the first play. If you go and hit somebody in the mouth, they're going to be like, I don't want to do this for four quarters. It's the same thing whether you're in a job, whether you're in school, whatever you're in. Monday is going to set the tone. Get ahead of your work. Go work out. Go do whatever you got to do. Get yourself ready and get yourself in the right mindset to get through the rest of the week. You are now tuning in to the Roughnecks Podcast with your host, Cole Nixon. Much love. But thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Rough Next Podcast. I am your host, Cole Nixon. I'm a senior at Ohio Wesleyan University in Delaware, Ohio, majoring in business marketing with a minor in data analytics. I also play football for the Battling Bishops with a love for sports and entrepreneurship. That's why I started this podcast. I wanted to be able to share the knowledge and advice of sports figures and entrepreneurs with all of you. Just about every week, I try to bring on a guest who is viewed as a leader and motivator in the world of athletics, coaching, entrepreneurship, business, and just life in general. A new episode is released every single Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Don't miss Motivation Monday at the end of each episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Roughnecks Podcast and Twitter at Roughnecks Pod C1. If you want to contact the Roughnecks Podcast about potential sponsorship or collaboration, then message us on social media or email at roughneckspodcast at gmail.com. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review so you don't miss any of our future episodes. Shout out to Dante Fair for the podcast music introduction and PNH Studio for the logo. Now let's get into this week's show. We are on to the 27th episode of the Roughnecks podcast. Joining me this week is an old high school teammate of mine, Corey Hare. Corey and I played football together at Watkins Memorial High School in good old Pataskala, Ohio just 30 minutes east of Columbus. He holds the record for the longest field goal walk-ins, which helped him make his way to the Division I level and kick for Ohio University. In this episode, Corey and I will talk about mindset as a student as well as an athlete, but I think what's really important is how they translate to the real world. Corey's at the start of his professional career and is already putting the things he learned through sports to use and help propel him forward for his career. This is a great episode to start your week with. Even Corey says it in his Motivation Monday that we all need to set our tone on Monday for the rest of the week. Let's dive into this week's episode with Corey Hare and set the tone. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Roughnecks Podcast. This is our 27th episode. It's crazy to think, for me at least, that this is a podcast that has been going on for 27 straight weeks now. It has been a crazy ride, but I am thankful to be able to do this. And thank you all to all my listeners out there. The Roughnecks podcast now spans across seven different countries, mainly the United States, which really isn't a surprise. And I'm not really that worried about that. But there are listeners from 22 different states. So thank you to everyone who listens and supports our podcast. It is truly appreciated. Joining me this week is an old high school teammate of mine who I've known for a good amount of time now. Corey Hare, welcome to the Roughnecks podcast. I appreciate it, brother. Nice talking to you again. It's been a while. It has been a while. I think it's been too long. It has. But 100%. we played together in high school out in uh, good old Pataskala, Ohio, at Watkins Memorial. 
Uh, we were lucky enough to be part of the second team in school history to make playoffs. Now, things didn't go our way in playoffs, but we still made it to playoffs and we beat Heights that year. So that's a win-win. That, that's just a, a good combination. That's a good season, if you ask me. It's the best season. It's the best season you could have. Beat Heights to get a lock in the playoffs is the best way you can roll about it. We won't talk about that Lakewood game, though, because that's Ooh. just. <laughs> in, in our defense, that was the worst weather and officiated game I've ever played in in my life. Never in my life have I seen a ref line the ball up like 10 yards from the <laughs> sideline. Because I remember like lining up and I'm like practically on their sideline. And I'm like, something's not right here. But you couldn't see the field at all. There was nothing on the field. Nothing. They had a kid. I remember one play. uh they had a kid that was like five feet out of bounds and he j he ran like an extra 15 yards and then the ref realized that he was out of bounds and then they blew it dead, but they gave him the extra 15. It's because yeah. their, their field was trash. They have, they have turf now, but it, it was so bad. Worst condition game ever oh, to play 100%. any position, any position. It was hard. My mom said, I remember her telling me after the game, she goes, yeah, I had trouble figuring out if it was you or Cameron Johnson half the time, because you guys looked so alike with how you guys were built and like your numbers were one and four. So they're pretty close and you guys were just so muddy. Of course we wore our white uniforms that game too. Oh yeah. The away uniforms. It definitely salt to the wound when we, uh, we got a police escort home before we went to the playoffs and we just lost to the worst team in the LCL and we would have want to share the title. That was a, that was a yeah. rough one, but we also got the worst draw you could get in D2. We played two all-state running backs and <laughs> they had four receivers that were 6'5. So that was it was definitely a tough draw, but it was a milestone that hadn't been hit since I think 2000 is either 2006 or 2004. I remember I was a ball boy the last time we went. We played Pickerington Central in the second round and got absolutely <laughs> Yeah, of course. Like it seems like we get the best draws out at Watkins. Yeah, it's 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 brutal being in Division 2 in a small country town when you got schools like that that are in D2 as well. But Oh, 100%. It was cool to say we did it. Nobody else is going to say that for a while. But well, that's one thing my brother told me. He goes, You did two things I never did. He said, You beat Heights and you went to playoffs. And so he's like, Be proud of that. Yeah, it was exciting. That I would say my junior year was probably the most fun I ever had playing football. 100%. Oh, I agree. I agree. 100%. Yeah, because my senior year, no offense, was not quite the same once <laughs> you guys left. You guys <laughs> lost a lot that year. You lost, you lost it. I think, what, like 17 starters or something like that? Yeah, I was the only returning starter on defense because they moved Morris to quarterback, and he didn't play any defense anymore. And then um, I think Garth was really – Garth and Terry were the only yep. really people who had experience. And Scott, because Scott played O-line. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was but, crazy times. It's crazy thinking about it. Oh, man, I was just saying something today. One of my – because I get taken out on punt safe because – I mean, it makes sense. I'm I'm not the person you want returning to football, but I was like, I used to return <laughs> like freshman year of high school, which is like eight years ago. Like, this is crazy to think that like how fast time goes. It really is. You've caught my punts though. So I mean <laughs> that's you, true. You, you could you could you could catch a D3 punt, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't know. There is some pretty good punters out there. And we got oh, Dennison yeah. this week. So Dennison probably has a decent punter. Oh yeah, because they always hold a camp, so they always they always got somebody that's in the pipeline. Exactly. But our topic this month is mindset and attitude. And I've done this the past few weeks with Lindsey Kara Stencil and then Jerry Harper. But there's a podcast that I listened to by Michael Red, who was a former Ohio State basketball player who went on to have a nice career in the NBA and even was on the 2008 Olympic team. But his podcast is called Betting on Yourself. 
and he asked all his guests what it means for them to bet on themselves. I'm stealing it from him this month because in my opinion, it's something that relates to like your mindset and your attitude. So what does it mean for you to bet on yourself? And I'm looking forward to hearing your answer because we both kind of experienced this and it's something like as an athlete who's getting recruited to go play, you learn like you have to make that bet on yourself when you're going, deciding where you're going to play. Even if you're just going to college, you're making a bet on yourself. You're making your home for potentially a year to four years. So what does it mean to you to bet on yourself? That's a really good question. It's funny that you said you were talking about athletics with it, but it'll actually transition the same way once you get a, a real world job, like a lot of people say. But I mean, man, if coming from a kicker, if if I were to walk out on the field and be like, I don't think I'm going to make this field goal, there's your chance of making it gets cut down so much because nobody's going to be confident in you if you're not confident in yourself. And it goes the same way when you're in interviews, when you're going to colleges, like you mentioned with recruiting, you're going to have five, 10 other guys that play the same position as you. They're going to be built just like you when you get into college, because you're taking the best player off each team out of each class. And it, you just, you have to know that if you're going there, you're going to have competition. If you don't bet on yourself, don't expect to play because your coaches aren't going to bet on you if you don't bet on yourself if that's a good way to word it. And it's the same way when you get into the business world, if you go into business or whatever you decide your profession is, you have to be able to exemplify why you bring more value to the table than the guy next to you. Because if not, then they're going to be the one who's going to get the contract. They're going to be the one who gets the offer to play football. It's all going to be the same. And it carries to every aspect of life. You just have to carry yourself high. You have to be confident in what you're doing and it'll take you a far way. I like that you incorporated both sports and like the real world, because in my opinion, I think when I look at the things I've learned in sports, especially they propel you for like your real life in your future. There's so much, doesn't matter what sport it is, even if it's an individual sport, like you're running up to 200 in track or something, you still learn about, you know, commitment, time management and all these things. So they, they go hand in hand. So like you said, like it's exactly it's the same, it's the same thing on both ends of the stick. A hundred percent. And it, it's funny because I, I started at Ashland then I went to Ohio university. And then after my footballer's career was over, I joined a sales organization and we had to give elevator pitch contests. And essentially it, it's actually super funny because you know, me and Brandon Boyd tied our room and we had to give a pitch in front of 80 people off of a whim, a pitch that I made up in 30 seconds. And I had no professional experience. I had not worked a professional job a day in my life. Me and you worked together at All Tales. And then I cut grass at Cumberland Trails for the next four or five years. And then after that, it was just football all throughout the summer. And the things that you just hit the head on, athletes, when it comes to a professional world, a huge thing that people I work with today, everybody has problems with is time management and being a natural leader. And that's two things that I pounded on in my elevator pitch, because if you have somebody who's going to be a leader, you're not only going to be able to lead your peers, but you're going to be able to lead yourself. If you have good time management, you're going to keep everything on track and you're going to be more organized. And that makes your manager's, manager's job less stressful. And it just makes everything work easier. They, they look at it as much higher value than somebody who's like, yeah, I was in a fraternity and i did this like it that's that's great 100 percent, it's fantastic but athletes are were built different to a sense because you have to wake up at 5 30 in the morning you have to go lift you have to go to classes from nine to noon 
you have to go back, you have to stretch, you have to go to the, you have to go to the trainers, you have to go through all these things. You're booked from 5.30 in the morning to seven at night. Then you got to make dinner and you got to do however much homework you got throughout the day. So like you're, you're working like a 14, 15 hour schedule. If you can condense that down to an eight hour schedule for a real job, it's cake work. It's the easiest thing I've ever done. I just had the transition from it and I'm working full time virtually right now. And it's the easiest thing I've ever done because I'm like, I just block out my times of the day, just, just like you do in football. And it transitions perfectly. It makes everything 10 times easier. That's what I love too. Like you hear, I don't want to bash them, but like non-athletes when they're like, Oh, I just didn't have enough time to get it done. And you're like, you didn't have enough time to get it done. I was up till one in the morning because that was the only time I had to do it. Like, and like, I love when people are like, Oh, I I just had a sweet ass nap. And I'm like, I don't remember the last time I took a nap. (laughs) Like as an athlete, the only time you get naps are in the off season and you barely get naps. You learn how to make those, those 20 minute naps. It's either that or on the couch in the locker room. It's one of the two. Oh, I done that before done that before a time or two that actually what you said leads me into my next question. And I was going to talk about, I wanted to talk a little bit about mindset in the classroom. Cause like we talked, like as a student athlete, it's hard. It can be hard to, especially even have a positive mindset and like with that time management. So what was your mindset? I mean, obviously it shifted from high school to college because there's a little bit of a difference. Um, But so like, what was your mindset in the classroom wise? So it's funny how you mentioned high school to college because college classroom wise is easier than it is in high school because you're not sitting in back-to-back classes from 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. And then you have to go to the locker room and change and do all the other stuff. You get to schedule your time for your own classes. If you schedule smart, you're going to have at most three classes a day that are going to be an hour apiece. So the way I like to do it is especially so like take fall season, for example, if I I knew that was going to be my busy season pre COVID, obviously, and I would make it so I wouldn't have classes on Fridays because I knew Fridays were travel days. Or even when I was at OU, we would travel, we'd stay in a hotel just like to keep the same rhythm for even when we're going to away games. So I knew that like Fridays, I didn't want to have classes because I wanted to get zeroed in for the game that was going to be on Saturday. I didn't want to have to stress about, am I going to eat lunch today or any of those things? Like it was just a hundred percent time to zero in because football is your job when you're in college, if you're an athlete, if you're a football athlete. And it's the same thing though. Like you're in college to play football, but you got to get a degree because what, I don't know what the percentage breakdown is on it, but 0.5% of kids that play high school football make it to the NFL. And we just talked about how hard it was to betting on yourself to go beat 10 kids who are going for your position at your school. Now take the best high school player from every school and then take the best, the best kid off of those teams. And he might not even get a shot at the NFL. Like it's just such slim chances. So you got to, you have to prepare yourself to be able to take on the real world afterwards. And that's going to make you way more successful than if you get through your senior season and you're like, well, I thought I was going to the NFL, but that fell through. So I'm like, now what am I going to do? I have a degree that I don't care about all these other things. It's just, it comes down to, you have to set yourself up to be successful post-college. And that's a, a lot of athletes struggle with that because they think football is the entire world. And don't get me wrong. I love football as much as the next guy, but I knew that I wasn't going to make it to that level at the time. It's a, it's a realism that you have to come to. And it, I'm extremely happy in what I do now. I love the company I work for. I have the opportunity to travel. I'm making a good living and I couldn't be happier with it. Well, you look, I look at that too, is you look at some of the, you always see the freshmen that come in and oh, yeah. they think football is the whole world and they forget, Hey, and it's not like high school where, Oh, I'm sorry, this is late. Like, no, you're late. They're not taking that paper. 
nine times out of 10, they're not taking that paper. Now, now here I will say they're a little more lenient. Yes. You're going to get like a, at least a grade difference, but because we're a smaller school, but still like people like you, how many freshmen do you see come in that even if they're great football players, they can't stay because of the fact that they didn't manage school. Oh yeah. No, a hundred percent. I mean, and I was lucky enough to play at the division one level. So I've seen kids that were getting recruited to Ohio state, Maryland from all over the country, Florida, everything else, but they get there their freshman year and we, it's a little bit different. You guys may not have it um, where you're at, but like we had people who you have weekly grade check-ins. You have to go to tutoring for however much time based off your high school grades. Cause they'll take the kids who are coming in, look at your high school grades and they'll be like, you need to go to study hall for six hours a week. You need to have this certain grade point average consistent. And if you aren't, then they make you stay in study hall and you have to do all of your work with the tutor right next to you, or they won't let you practice because they're investing in you. They're giving you a scholarship, a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars for the next four years. So they're not going to let that go to waste because like I said, you may be great but we can go pick somebody up from wherever else in the country. They're going to do the same thing you are. And if they have a better work ethic and they're not a liability in the classroom, they would much rather want to take the kid who's going to be successful in the classroom. So they know they don't have to worry about them outside of the football field. A hundred percent. Yeah. We have the same thing here where we have to, we have to hand in our grades every week and they even send out professor surveys like once a month or something to oh, where yeah. it goes straight to your professor. So they'll be able to tell if you're lying on that, like because the professors are going to give their honest feedback especially here yeah. at the D3 level, like we're not on the national level. So like if you're a, a screw up in class, they're going to, they're not going to be afraid to hide it. Like you're no Joey Bosa oh, yeah. or something like, <laughs> but, and that's yeah. the same with us too. It's uh, we have study tables where we have to two or three times a week. Now we can't really do it as much anymore with COVID because we can't go to the library. Like we can't have a big group of us go to the library, but we used to have to, it went off your grade point average, like you said. And if that grade point average that next semester dropped below what it was, even if you're a senior in your last semester, if you don't have the grade point average, you're at study tables. Exactly. And it sucks. But I mean, like I said, it shows a lot about the coaches too, just that they actually care that you're getting your money's worth out of your scholarship. Because if you didn't, then you're wasting your own time and they're really looking out for you. But It'll come across like they're a dickhead, but in the long run, it helps out a ton. Oh, I look at it. It taught, That was where I kind of learned my time management and learned, like, oh, yeah. even when I didn't, like, I my grade point average was good enough not to be at study tables. I was usually there just because of the fact that, one, it just gave me a, a reason to focus on my work and not, oh, I'm just going to play some video games or something. It Like, I'd set aside that time, even though I don't have to be there, you know, go and just get your work done. And then you can come back and play video games for an hour or two or whatever you want to do. Yeah. Hundred percent, and trust me, I, I game as much as the next guy. I, I play video games all the time, so I talk to my friends. But it, it it's prioritizing. You got to be able to prioritize. You got to figure out what's going to be important in the long run, and then do the fun stuff. Don't be the guy who has five papers that are due, and he decides to go to a bar and get hammered on a Tuesday night for no reason, and miss out on five papers because you're going to be digging out of a hole for the rest of the semester. And that's no fun in college. Every year when the freshmen come in, I always tell them it's easy to dig yourself in a hole and really hard to get out of that hole. It's so hard. It's it, so in high school, you can just be like, can I retake this in college? They do not give a damn. No, They're like you play football, you're starting quarterback. Tough shit. I don't care. I'm your professor. <laughs> yeah, I don't give a damn. So in high school, you were uh, kind of a jack of all trades, kicker, punter and linebacker. 
but you were a pretty damn good kicker, obviously, as you went and played at the next level, even got to the D1 level for a kicker. Um, still happy to say I was on the field blocking for you when you hit that uh, Watkins record field goal. Where was that? Was that at uh, Whetstone? It was at, uh, yeah, I think so. It was Whetstone. It was our first game of the year. Take me through the mindset when you're about to kick a field goal because there is – people don't re- – even an extra point, there's a lot of pressure. Every, you have 11 guys coming at you trying to block that kick. And it seems something people are always like, oh, I can't believe that kicker missed that kick. It, it's a lot more than people think. So take me through your mindset when you're getting ready to kick a field goal. So I will say, and I was lucky enough to live with one of the pieces to the puzzle because Rex Miles lived with me and he was my long snapper. And when I cannot emphasize enough the amount of trust that I had in Rex to snap the ball well and Wesley to grab it and hold it well with laces out and everything on the block, if you do not trust the people that you're playing around with, you're going to be miserable because it's going to be what's going through your head. You're going to be like, is he going to hold it wrong? Is he going to do this, do that? So developing trust with them was a major part. And they were some of my best friends in high school. And like I said, I live with Rex. So the, the trust part was never a problem for me. I did it with Wesley and Rex since I think seventh grade. So by the time we got to be seniors, juniors, we were. Yeah, you were one of the only ones in the middle school game that actually kicked because I don't think I'd ever seen anybody, at least from my experience, kick maybe once, but you were in middle school, we're kicking extra points and field goals. It was soccer, man. Soccer was, <laughs> it had a good transition. My dad being a high school coach, I got to go mess around in summer practices when I was a kid and get some reps in and then just started honing in on the skill. Once I was, I think like fifth grade or and whatnot, I knew it was what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to play college football, but it all started from there. But uh, to finish your question, it, it, it comes back to the mindset. Like, if I was lining up for the 50-yard field goal, whatever it was at Whetstone, and I was like, damn, those uprights are looking kind of far today, and this grass is kind of wet, I'm going to slip on my plant foot. Like, I mean, my chance of making it's like 10%. I, I, It was the last thing I thought of. I didn't know it was for a record. I didn't know anything that was going on because I'm pretty sure Josh Hicken jumped on the first one. He so did. It wasn't, <laughs> wasn't going to be a record, but then Josh jumped, so it bumped it back five yards. But, I mean, it just – it all comes down to like, I put in the time, I put in the effort to perfect moderately what I was going to do. So when the time came, I knew I'd be able to go out there and perform. And that's really ultimately what, ultimately what it came down to. And just back to like what I said earlier, I knew all nine guys on the line in Wesley that they were all going to do their job perfectly. So I didn't have to worry about the 11 guys on the other side of the ball. That's a really good – like, that's something that's really good to have. And I feel like you can take that even, too, beyond football. It's another thing that you can take beyond oh, football. Yeah. Like, when you get into the work and, like, say you are the boss of someone, you have to trust in them that they will do what they – like, and they a lot of times you see it. Like, they put the trust in them to do what they have to do because that's the thing, too. If, like, I put trust in you and then you mess up, I'm the one who looks bad. Oh, yeah. 100%. Not necessarily you. I'm the one who looks bad. So You're it, the one in charge. Yeah, and that's where it's, uh, people – sports translate so much to real life. It's crazy. It is. We, we carry a value that there are kids that could have – there were – I got an internship with the company I work for last summer, and it was my last summer before I was going to graduate, so I knew I had to have an internship. And there were 6,000 kids that applied for six positions, and I was like, they're probably kids that have had four internships for the first four years. They're – GPA is higher. They're majoring in like finance or something. I majored in marketing, but 
just like even in an interview, like being able to exemplify the value that you bring and just, like I said, the time management and the leadership, knowing that my manager can trust me to lead my team of workers, it, it carries so much value in the real world. And it's what a lot of kids that don't play sports, they don't just naturally possess a leadership attitude. And it, it does. Everything translates perfectly to the real world. So now we're going to take a different look. We went from kicking field goals. What about punting? Did you kind of have the same mindset? I mean, yeah, Rex was also your long snapper there. So did you, I obviously had that trust to get you the ball, but was your mindset slightly different or was it about the same? It's, it's almost the same. The same thing with the trust. It, it's definitely the same with Rex. It's funny because he only snapped two balls over my head in the four years that him and I started. And I knew when both of them were coming. Because it would, he'd throw a dime on the first one every single time, never had to question it. But the times where one time it was a flag, and I think the other time was a timeout that Newark Catholic called. And as soon as I saw him line up, I was like, this thing's going over my head. And it <laughs> sure as shit, it happened. But punting's a little bit of a different mindset because you, you really don't have to aim. Like you just kind of, technique's a huge part of it, but like you're trying to kick the ball as far as you can with good technique so it turns over in a spiral so it goes back to like the preparation everything like perfecting a drop perfecting like your leg swing everything else but it's definitely more of like a meathead compared compared to being a kicker like you just gotta be able to blast the ball and if you kick it high and far everybody goes wow that was cool but if you (laughs) kick it if you kick a shitty punt everybody's like what did he just do like what is he doing it's not that hard but it's they're, they're pretty close to the same, I'd say. The trust is the biggest part in that. Now, I've, this has definitely got to be different, though, because you played linebacker as well. So, like, you'd go punt, and then you'd be right there on defense playing linebacker. So what was the difference? Did you have to, like, flip a different switch? Or, like, what was the difference when you would go into linebacker? So they, they actually almost went hand-in-hand hand because, like, if you think about how football works when you're a punter, you're, you're getting off of offense. So in my head, if I knew I was about to punt, say it was out of the end zone, or if I was trying to put them on like the one yard line or something, I was like, if I do well right now, it's going to make my job on defense 10 times easier because they're going to be either 50 yards downfield or on their own one yard line or something like that. But it, it definitely was a little bit different because, I mean, you go from a position that's stereotypically like the softest kid on the field, everything else, <laughs> to being like – stereotypically the biggest meathead on the field so it's <laughs> it's definitely a big difference but it it's just it was the chemistry that I, I'll, I'll point out my junior year specifically the chemistry that I had with Brett Copeland as the other linebacker and Alex Rex Nathan Miller and who am I missing on the D-line I'm missing someone on the D-line uh, Zach Jenkins Zach Jenkins yes the the chemistry that I had with those five guys on that line I knew they were going to fill their hole. I knew they were going to do it right. There'd be times where Warrington would give us a call and I would just look at him and be like, that, like, that's, that's fine. But like, we can get a sack if we run this. And it's like you said, like coach Warrington had the trust that we watched enough film. We were ready for whatever they prepared. We were going to stay home on a reverse, whatever. But he had the trust in us to be able to moderately audible a defensive play because we saw an opportunity. I know the Heights game you were talking about, there were three plays in a row. I walked up to Alex and uh, Nathan because they played on they played on the strong side with me. And I just tapped Nathan's ass and I was like, you go inside, walked over to Alex. I was like, you shoot outside. I was like, their guard and tackle are both going to split. 
in four plays in a row, their guard and tackle couldn't pick it up and nothing changed. And it's just, it, it's just things like that preparation and being able to trust that they're going to do that. Every time I'd hit a lead fullback, I knew Brett Copeland was going to be screaming behind me and he was going to hit the running back. There was no question about that. He weighed 150 pounds and hit harder than anybody I know. <laughs> he didn't care who was filling in that no, hole. He, he was did. meeting them. You could have had Ezekiel Elliott. You could have had Adrian Peterson. Brett Copeland did not give a damn. He was filling the hole. That's how, That's the same way our middle linebacker is here. He doesn't care who it is. I've never seen anybody hit harder than him because oh, yeah. Dennison's running back lad the past two years has been – he's a stud. I mean, he's like – he's over two – he's like 235. And he's pretty quick, but I remember sophomore year, I got to start against him. Mike Backer blitz, where I replaced the Mike Backer, and I have <laughs> run fill, and he came in that hole, and I met him in the hole, except he went further than I did because I ended up on my back <laughs> while he went. But last year, I'd never forget, we were on the goal line, and he met that running back in the hole and literally folded him, and me and the receiver both looked at each other and went, what the hell just happened? Yeah. Because that receiver's like, <laughs> I've never seen anyone put him on his back. But that's just like the middle linebackers have a crazy mentality, in my opinion. Oh, they're It's nuts. We had a kid at OU. His name's Quentin Poling. He plays for the Dolphins now. But I mean, like, he, he, like, he was like borderline mental. Like, he was just insane. He was a freak. He was, he was in the weight room for like four hours a day, it seemed like. But like, when it came time to focus, he was 100% focused. And like you said, like I played against Virginia, Purdue. I played some big schools that have some freaks, and he did not give a damn. He was going to hit whoever was across from him as hard as he could every single play, and it never phased him. And that's why he's in the NFL because he just he didn't care who it was across from. He's going to play his position how it's supposed to be played. That's funny that you say you played Purdue because now I look back at it. There's a guy that I had on here. It was a while ago. It was back in 2020. But he actually was a Purdue running back. I might have played him. Like, legitimately, I might have played him. I We played Purdue. It would have been my sophomore year at Purdue. And we got absolutely throttled. <laughs> absolutely. Dude, it's just – and it, it's crazy because, like, you see these kids, like – no disrespect to group of five schools. It's what I played in. You have freaks at all levels. But, like, man, when we played Virginia and Purdue, I was just looking at, like, their linemen, their linebackers, their running backs and receivers. And I was just like, these kids are massive. Like, our biggest O-lineman was either average size or their smallest O-lineman. And I was like, it's just different at this level. We almost beat um, We almost beat Virginia, which was actually kind of cool. We played them at Vanderbilt, but. It's experiences I'll never forget, but it, it's just crazy. It's what would you say is, like, from your college career, your most memorable experience? There, I'll give two. Cincinnati, we played in – the last year I played football, we played Cincinnati, and they were, like – I think they ended up going, like, 11-1 and one or 10-2 and two or something like that, and we were beating them until, I think – like 40 seconds left in the game. And then we got stuffed on like the two yard line. And the atmosphere in that place was unbelievable. It was the loudest place I've ever played in. They'd play this like dubstep cat remix thing <laughs> every time it was a third down. And it was just the coolest environment I'd ever been a part of in my life. And then we got to the first year I was at OU, we played in the Bahamas Bowl. So I got to go stay in Atlantis for five days. And then we absolutely floored University of Alabama, Birmingham. We absolutely <laughs> floored them. 
And it was just so funny because, like, we're in Atlantis. It's literally, like, one of the biggest vacation destination places you can go to in the United States. And there's a casino. There's water parks. There's all this other stuff. The UAB kids weren't allowed to do any of it. No water park, no casino, no drinking, no smoking cigars, anything. Oh, you, we didn't, we were allowed to do whatever we wanted, except for like the day before the game, we were all drinking. We were having fun with each other. We were losing money gambling. We were going in the water park, going to the beach, renting jet skis. We were doing everything we could. It just shows like, if you can get in that zone and be like a gamer to a sense, it doesn't matter. I'm pretty sure I've got the bull ring over there, but it, I think we won like 42 to three. So like, it wasn't even close. It was, just, it was a blowout. I mean, those two are definitely like the most college memorable moments of my life. It's it's absolutely insane. Well, that's the thing too. Yes, it's a business trip. That's what some like our term that we always use every time, especially when we go on away oh, games. Yeah. It's a business trip, but at the same time, especially in the Bahamas, you gotta have a little bit of fun. <laughs> like, I mean, we're there for six days. Yeah, like, four or five days out from the game. There's no way I'm not gonna go buy a yardstick drink, a cigar, and go sit on the beach with the specialists and just bullshit for three and a half you hours. gotta enjoy it at least a little bit exactly and and our coaches knew that they were like this is gonna be a fun trip so we got all of our practice and everything out of the way by i think like 2 p.m and then the rest of the day was ours so it was, it was a blast it was so much fun going back to a little bit on the high school topic um so your dad was like we've talked your dad was one of our coaches did you feel a sense of pressure having your dad as a coach and if you did how did you handle that so that's a weird one as well. My dad, he'd, he'd coached all, a lot of my little league teams. He never coached baseball because he was a damn thing about baseball. <laughs> but he, he always helped with soccer. He helped with football when I got into it. He was my eighth grade boys basketball coach. So like I'd had that experience before. He was my teacher. He was my science teacher in eighth grade. So I mean, I've literally had him as a, a father, a teacher, and a coach. So I it was all across the board. But I mean, at times, like, yes, there is going to be a little pressure and when I when I do something bad, he's gonna be the first person to let me know because he knows what I was capable of doing. But that that was also a double edged sword because when I did something good, he'd be the first one to let me know as well. And it it just it was it was a blessing, I would say more than it was anything else because you go to a high school game, how many offensive coordinators are gonna let you line up for a fifty five yard field goal? Like there's. It's not going to happen very often, but like 100%. the fact, the Hell, fact half that the he's time my... in college, even some college kickers, they're oh, like, yeah. yep, nope, we're going for it or we're punting it. Oh, yeah, 100%. You're going to punt it and you're going to try and pin him. But I just, he'd seen me work on my craft. He knew what I was capable of. He'd seen me hit from 60 in practice. So if I looked at him and I, I felt it was the right conditions and I was like, let's go, he's calling out the field goal unit. He did not care. He just, he, he knew that I had the confidence to walk out there and kick whatever I was planning to kick. Oh, and I feel like that also stemmed even onto the team too, especially why well, it helped you hitting that 50 yarder in the first game. <laughs> but at the same time, like we all trusted in you. Like we, we, if we knew if we got to a certain point, all right, well, we at least got three points. Yeah. Like, and, and we knew that was we my goal. Make it. I just, it, that was my goal. I remember when we were playing, we were playing Heath my junior year and it was, that was a close game. Mm-hmm. And I, I shanked a field goal because it was wet and my plant foot slipped when I kicked it. And then I went to line up for another one that would have made it like a 10 point game with like a couple minutes left. So like almost locked up the game. And I just remember Michael Ford looking at me and being like, being like, dude, like this is, this is automatic for you. Like you got this. And I was like, damn straight, 
sure as shit went out there, kicked it, went through the uprights, and we ended up winning. But it just knowing that like everybody on our team was confident in me because I couldn't even imagine being a kicker walking out there and your team's like, holy shit, why are we kicking a 40 yard field goal? He's not going to make it. Like that goes through your head. Kicking is like golf. Like it's like 85% mental. Like mm-hmm. you, you get, you get to a point where you know what you're capable of. And if you're not confident in it, you're going to, you're going to do poorly. You're going to do very bad. Well, going off that too, like you said, Michael Ford telling you other people can help build your mentality as well. hundred like. percent. Like they build, cause that's the thing. Like if you have everybody like saying, Oh, I can't believe we're kicking it. Your men- mindset, even if it was good going into that, your mindset, you're going to start to question yourself a little bit. Cause oh, yeah everybody else is questioning you it's we're human it's it happens it's like people are like oh don't let it affect you it's gonna affect you whether you want to admit it or not oh 100 and and that goes back to like team chemistry i'll say that's that is one thing that our junior year we had that our senior year we did not and we had the capability of being just as good my senior year but the fact that after every friday night football game when i was a junior we would all go to michael ford's house we'd all throw in a dip we'd all play nhl we'd do whatever <laughs> it was like we would just hang out and we were all like best friends and that's why when it came time to strap up pads and go out on the field with each other i never had to question if a single guy that i was in that room with was going to be able to go out and do their job it's 100% i was 100% confident in every single person on the field it didn't would- matter if you weren't that athletic like i knew you were smart enough to do your job and you said that team chemistry, that's the thing too. I was just a sophomore. Me and Garth were both just sophomores yeah. and we both were lucky enough to be able to start and play. But I look at that as you guys would allow, like you and my, I remember Michael inviting me over. Yeah. And that was the point where I was like, uh, it, it makes you feel included. And then my ability in myself feels like it starts like, all right, like they trust, like they Boost trust up. in me. Yeah. Yeah. So you start to get boosted. A hundred percent. But going back off of your dad, now it happens. Um, it's, it's honestly everything. You probably know exactly what I'm about to say, but did you feel any outside pressure from it? Because all the time when people have parents as coach, everybody, the rumors start flying. Oh, he's only playing because of his dad or oh, it's daddy ball. I mean, it, oh, yeah. it happens. And I mean, truly, sometimes it honestly is true. Sadly, I have been a part of it and seen it. But with you, it was completely different. You earned every, especially like you earned your spot. And I don't think anybody questioned it. But did it affect you? I don't feel like it maybe probably didn't affect you any, but how did you like handle that? So I'll say the biggest time that ever happened when we got to be like juniors and seniors, I knew that I did well enough in what I was doing to have the starting job. I didn't care who was going to tell me what I was like, let's walk out on the field right now and I'll beat your ass in any field goal, punting linebacker, anything I'll beat your ass. But my sophomore year was the year that that actually did kind of come into play because that was when, Jared Lyon was a senior and it was, it was, I knew what I was capable of. I knew I wanted to freshman year. I played freshman in JV and I wanted to take that next step to varsity. Cause I didn't only want to do it for two years. And Sev being Sev, he made it a competition. He didn't just say like, Oh, like you're better on this day or whatever it is. Like you, you got it. Or like, you're going to play for the next three years. You got it. He made it a competition and we would literally alternate field goal and punting her rep in the game so like i'd have to be like is it my turn to punt is it my turn to kick field goal like what turn is it and there definitely was some pressure me and him bickered back and forth but i i like jared he's a really good guy and he he went on i think he had a college soccer career he's a great dude but it's funny what comes out of it because if i would have had it my way obviously i would have done everything i would have just done what i wanted to do and 
in my sophomore year, I wasn't a great punter by any means. I was just like, I had a strong leg. I could kick it, do whatever. But I ended up being assigned to be our punter and Jared ended up being our field goal kicker. So I had to get used to just punting and it's a different leg swing a little bit, but I was like, I got put in a position that I'm not that good at. I was like, what am I going to do about this? But that's what ended up making me focus on punting. I was able to bring a lot more value when it came to college recruiting, because if you can have a kicker and a punter, you don't have to get another backup punter to back up your, like to back up your starter now. So it added a lot of value to me. And that's how junior year, I was lucky enough to be a first team all state punter, but it's strictly because I had a competition with Jared. I got stuck doing something I wasn't comfortable with, but instead of being like, this is stupid. And then just not giving a shit about it. I was like, I want to be good at it. And I want to like continuously get better at it. And that's why things worked out the way they did. And that's why I was able to make it to college is because if, if I knew somebody was better than me, I was like, what do I have to do to be as good as them? A hundred percent. And that competition thing, that's, what's crazy too, is yeah, you're getting every other rep. You have to make the most of those reps because 100%. that's in that competition. You're like, Oh, I, I need to outdo him because I want this spot. And that's the, that whole competition thing, even in the game, like, yeah, you're still doing what's best for the team, but at the same time, you're also thinking like, man, like I need to do, but that helps the team as a whole. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And it, it was, I mean, me and him would bicker back and forth in practice. He'd, he'd make comments like, the only reason you're kicking is because your dad, blah, blah, blah. But I'd shut that shit up in practice. I'd go bang a 55-yard field goal in his face and be like, step up and do it then, sweet cheeks. Like, let me see if you can do it. You think it's only because my dad? Like, I'll, I can do it every time. Let's, just, <laughs> let's, com- let's compete. I thrive off competing. That's why I'm in sales. We have a quota. I'm going to – I try my damnedest to be the best salesperson in my company every single month just because I like the thrill of competing. I love the competition is, and it brings out the, it can bring out the best in people. It also brings out the worst, but more times than not, it's going to bring out the best in people. hundred percent. You're going to college, your first day of camp. What's your mindset going in? I'll give you both situations because my first year I went to Ashland. So I went to a D2 school my first year and it's, it's, I mean, a completely different world because in D1, you have 105 spots and that's from camp all the way through the regular season. D2, my class had 65 kids in it. And then you had the sophomores, juniors, seniors, and then redshirt seniors in front of them. So we had like borderline 200 kids going into this camp. Three other kickers came in with me. and I, But like I knew who they were. I'd done my research. I saw what high school they went to, what field goal percentage, what their furthest field goal was. I did all the research because I was like, I want to know who I'm lining up against. And it, it was just – it was. It, like I said, it's a polar opposite compared to high school because you go from high school being like you're the dude, you're like the the best player at that position at your high school, whatever. You're gonna have five guys who were the best player at that position at their high school, and it, it was it came down to a competing thing, and just like I got to a point of where I I wasn't confident and I wasn't comfortable at Ashland, and that's where I I kicked with a guy named Tim Williams. He kicked at Ohio State, kicked in the NFL for a bit. I texted him after my spring ball, my first year at Ashland. I was like. Dude, like, it's been a dream of mine to play D1 football, I, I, like, for the longest time. I was like, what do I have to do to walk on at a school? And he's like, well, do you have any schools in mind? And I, I went out with a buddy to Broadview Golf Course in Pataskal, and I was like, how funny would it be if I ended up kicking at OU because that's where he went? And he was like, that'd be funny as hell. And then, sure as shit, he texts me, and he's like, hey, man, he's like, I talked to the OU specialist coach. Like, he wants to see a little film. They're looking for a kickoff guy. The next day, I drove down to Dayton, and I had to – 
kick kickoffs. I had to kick him through the back of the end zone, put it on camera, send it to him. And then I think it was four days before camp started. He called me and he's like, Hey man, he's like, you're a Bobcat buddy. Get down here. And I was like, Holy shit. It's happening. But I also knew when I was going into OU, my first camp kicker and punter that were in front of me are now competing for NFL positions. Michael Farkas was from Indiana. Dude's an absolute freak hits nukes up for punts. Like it's insane. These guys are some of my best friends now. And then Louis Zervos, he was from Tarpon Springs, Florida. He's still trying out for NFL teams and stuff like that. Dude's automatic from 55 in. I don't care where you put him, what the weather conditions are. Dude's automatic. And it's just, they made me so much better because I was, instead of just being lax and being like, I'm the best kicker out here, whatever. I was like, they are better than me. I need to have them help me get better. I need to do whatever it takes so that I can be at their level whenever they're gone. And that's what ended up happening. And it's, it really, it really was a blessing getting to transfer because I got to go to a school I got that I ended up getting a job from. Like everything played out exactly how perfectly for my situation. It couldn't have been better. And that, if you go in with a mindset of complacency, I had a podcast with Trevor Scott one time where he said complacency is the biggest killer of progress. So if you come in with that complacency mindset, you're never going to play. Never. Because and like you said, you realize they are better than me, but you also, yeah. you also have to take the steps. All right. How can I get to that level or better? Yeah. hundred percent. And it's the same thing in the business world. Like I came in, I was an intern for the company. I started back up in January. I knew I was going to have a quota and I, I got in here and I was like, damn, my quota is kind of high for my first month. Like they always told me it was a lot lower, but I was like, I'm not going to not get paid because I get paid commission for setting meetings and shit like that. I was like, I'm not going to not get paid. And then I, I met up with the girl at the time who is the best lead development representative of my company. I was like, what are you doing to like exceed quota by so much every month? She sat down, showed me, I took notes, did whatever I had to adjust to what I wanted to. And then I, I hit like 145% of my quota in my first month. And I was like, it's literally because I went to people who are better than me at what I do learn how they do it. And then you got to take the key parts out of that, adapt it a little bit, and then you're going to be able to reach your goals. And, oh, I, I say this all the time. And I was taught this, you know, reach out to those people, especially yeah. like, especially even me with the podcast, man, I'll reach out and I will message people on Instagram and Twitter. Even if I know there's probably no chance in hell that they're going to be on, but you don't know until you do it. And you can learn oh, yeah. so much from those people. It's ridiculous. It, one thing I've realized, I didn't realize it until after I was done with football, but having a mentor, whether it's in football, whether it's in business, whether it's just in life in general, it makes such a massive difference. And you may be reaching out to people on Instagram and they may not reply to you, but they see it. And that's such like a warm feeling. I had a couple kids when I was in, when I was in high school that were like, Hey, like, would you ever want to kick with me? I want to learn how to kick. And I was like, that's the coolest shit I've ever seen in my life. Like nobody wants to be a kicker growing up. You want to be a quarterback, running back, receiver, whatever it was, but you want to score touchdowns. Everybody exactly. wants to score touchdowns. Exactly. Like it's everybody wants to score touchdowns. Nobody wants to kick the point after, but the fact that like, I realized what I was doing was sparking kids interest and it made them feel cool about it. And they wanted to get better at it. I was like, that's the coolest shit that I've ever been a part of in my life. Just like having kids that are younger than me be like, I want to do what you do. And I was like, wow. Like it, it's extremely humbling. It's awesome. Oh yeah. Uh, Cause I, I, when I have things like that happen, I always look at too. like, I remember myself when I was that age and oh, like, yeah, 
how cool it was, you know, my brother, like my brother's six years older than me. And like, when he was in high school, I was in fifth grade, like, and how cool it was every once in a while when, you know, I got to be the ball boy for the basketball team and like stuff oh, yeah. like that. And water boy for the football team, like how cool that was just do literally be the little runaround bitch essentially. Oh, but oh, it was dude, still I was the on the same thing. field as you. Yeah. I was, was going to say, I was literally the ball boy for the football team. And like, just like Brendan Kemp, somebody runs out, scores a touchdown. I remember when I was like super young, Rock, he was a brick running back. He was a freak. He was on the team that went to the playoffs before us. And I was like, it, they score a touchdown. If they walked over and gave me a high five, I literally thought I just got like a high five from like Tom Brady. Like I thought it was the coolest shit of my life. I was, But you start to realize that as you grow up, little kids are going to look up to what you do and they're going to want to do what you do. And you, you got to be a role model it comes down to that's what i was getting ready to say you gotta also remember like the things you do people are watching you not just like adults like those younger kids are watching you and especially if they want to be like you they're gonna if you know you're out partying every night or you're like you know cussing all the time in front of them they're gonna think that's the cool thing to do oh yeah a thousand percent i i I have I, i cuss a lot i try so hard not to do it and i'm getting better at it but it's like i'm starting to get around like friends having kids and stuff like that and i'm like i don't want to be like a bad role model to him i want to be like oh that's Corey. he's cool i want to be like him someday i don't want him to be like that's the guy that cusses a shit ton and he's like everything <laughs> else like that's not how i want to be i want to be the role, mo- role model not like somebody that they're like yeah he's cool but like he's a little a little off yeah i'm the same i'm in the exact same boat i mean i got eight nieces and nephews so like oh, i always yeah. have to learn yeah. like all right where are the kids at so that i'm in <laughs> time exactly. to put the filter on do exactly. you have any advice for someone who is working to improve their mindset or attitude? Looking to improve your mindset or attitude. I mean, part of it, part of it's going to be confidence. And the way that you're going to build confidence is from putting the work in. Like that sounds like everybody says it, but it is so true in everything that you do. If you don't work at something and you expect yourself to get better, I forget what the saying is, but it, it, it's like called insanity if you do the same thing expecting a different result. Like, it, it, that's really how it is. Like, if if I went out, missed a field goal, just went and sat on the sideline and was like, all right, like, I guess I'm going to have to go out there again at some point. I'm going to miss the next one because I'm going to do the same exact thing I just did. So you got to really work at what you're doing. You have to get better at what you're doing, and it's going to make you more confident, and that's going to make your mindset going into everything you do 10 times better. That's 100% true. If you could go back in time and tell yourself one thing, what would it be? Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> tell myself one thing when I was younger. Oh, man, that is a good question. I would have to say, just like even when, when, I, when I went to Ashland, man, I was like, I might be done with football. Like, I, like, it's not for me anymore. Like, I just want to focus on my career and everything. Just keep pushing through it and keep getting better at it because it – it's going to pay off eventually. You just got to keep fighting through it and the job and everything else will fall into place, but just keep getting better at what you're doing. What are the goals of Corey Hare going forward? Going forward. I, I have a, a pretty solid timeline at the job Matt, right now. And I've, it's given me the opportunity to move. I'm either our offices are supposed to reopen. I think it was September 7th. I'm going to have the opportunity to move to either Boston or DC. So just getting to explore a little bit, get out of my comfort zone. I know a lot of kids from Pataskala, we all end up back in Pataskala because it's just what we do. You don't want to be far from home. Don't get me wrong. I love my family as much as the next guy, but 
I got to be usually with Patascala, you're either you leave and never come back <laughs> exactly, or you leave for a minute for college and come right back. Exactly. That's, that's how most of it plays out. But I, I just, I want to re- get out of my comfort zone. I want to step away from all my friends and everything, get used to living on my own, build myself a career and just really reach my career goals because it's, it's just what, since I stopped playing football, I was like, I knew I got to do something now. So I'm not going to half-ass it because if I half-ass it, I'm not going to be happy with what I do. Love the company and job I work for right now and just keep progressing, keep going up in the company. And at some point, I wouldn't mind being a CEO of a company. I, I like leadership. I like the intrinsic reward that comes with seeing others succeed. Just, just eventually make my way up the ladder. Now it is time for the absolute best segment of the podcast, which is Motivation Monday. I want to let you give the Roughnecks listeners a little motivational bump on their Monday morning. So what do you have for Motivation Monday? Motivation Monday. Monday sets the tone for the rest of the week. I got a wedding in June. I got to look a lot better than I do right now. I started to put on a little weight when I stopped playing football. I got to get a lot better looking. You set the tone on Monday. It's like what we always said in football. You're going to set the tone on the first play. If you go and hit somebody in the mouth, they're going to be like, I don't want to do this for four quarters. It's the same thing whether you're in a job, whether you're in school, whatever you're in. Monday is going to set the tone. Get ahead of your work. Go work out. Go do whatever you got to do. Get yourself ready and get yourself in the right mindset to get through the rest of the week. That's awesome. And I never actually like really – sometimes you forget that, I feel like, because like it's real easy. Oh, it's Monday again. And, you know, drag, drag through Monday, get through Tuesday. Oh, Wednesday, we're already halfway there. Thursday, all right, Friday, let's check out early. But like, really, if you put, you come in that Monday and that's why our, like with football for us, we always lift early on Mondays Oh yeah. because they want us to start our week off. Like, all right, here's the tone for the week. And that's, that is a really good thing to remember is, you know, when you wake up on Monday, yeah, forget that it's Monday and it's beginning of the week, but you know what? Set the tone. It's going to be a good week. Absolutely. It's, it's the same thing in like professional life. Like now, like when I get in here, I could be like, eh, it's Monday. I work virtually. Nobody's going to monitor me. Like I could sleep until 10 a.m. Nobody's going to know a damn thing. But it, instead, I'm like, wake up at 730, organize what I'm going to do for that day and then get after it. So that way I'm ahead for the week instead of getting to Friday and being like, shit like i didn't set any meetings this week so i'm not getting paid i'd rather get ahead of it so that way when it comes friday and i look back and i'm like wow i set like four more meetings than i was supposed to this week that's more money in my pocket that's exactly. like, just get ahead of whatever you got to do now the final segment of the podcast is a quick one but it's a pretty fun one it's called rapid fire During rapid fire, I'm going to ask you a variety of simple this or that questions. Just answer them as quickly as you can. Are you ready? I think so. <laughs> Early bird or night owl? Early bird. Xbox or PlayStation? PlayStation. Twitter or Instagram? Twitter. Twitter or TikTok? Twitter. Field goal or extra point? Field goal. Punting or kicking? Kicking. Now, kicking or linebacker? Kicking. Hundred <laughs> percent. I knew I was. I knew I wasn't going to college for linebacker. Let's just get that straight. I'll set that one up. <laughs> and with that, that's a wrap on episode twenty-seven of the Roughnecks podcast. Thank you, Corey Hare, for joining us. And I want to take a quick second 
to say thank you to everyone who purchased the first ever Roughnecks merch. We should be having another sale in May with a little bit of a twist. More to come on that, so stay tuned. Corey, I actually will have a sticker for you that I will get to you once I I get them. I have to wait to get those, but I will have a sticker for you as well as if you were a guest listening to this, I have a sticker for all my guests in the past. Don't worry. I got you guys covered too. Be sure to tune in next week as Chris Bonner is making a reappearance on the Roughnecks podcast. He was an earlier guest of the podcast way back from episode six. And that actually involved Teddy for those of you who have been following for a while. But if you haven't listened to that episode, be sure to go give it a listen to get a sense of who Chris Bonbon is. But until then, Roughnecks out. Oh, thank you.